How can we as healthcare practitioners move from just providing disease management to providing true healthcare? That is the question, and this is the answer. Welcome to Reinvent Healthcare, the podcast that helps you grow your practice and expand your skills as a practitioner. I'm Dr. Rita Marie Loscalzo. Let's dive in. Welcome back to Reinvent Healthcare, the podcast for health and wellness minded people and professionals who are passionate about making a difference, about turning our broken disease focused model of health into a true healthcare system. So, in this episode, we are going to talk about herbs and foods that support the sensitivity of the cells to insulin. And given that 93% of the population is insulin resistant or metabolically unwell and insulin resistance is part of that or pre-insulin resistance, right? The decade or two or three before we actually develop a clinically diagnosable insulin resistance. And you're going to see a lot of people in your practice that are already there. They're already in the 93%. And you can usually tell when they walk in the door, you can tell when they get on a zoom call with you, however you do your practice, and you're going to see it because you're going to see the extra weight around the middle, you're going to see that tired look on their face, and so much more. So insulin sensitivity is a super important thing that we need to get control of. And with that many people, insulin resistance, we really have to address the root cause. The root causes happen to be in the area of diet, movement, stress, sleep, and how people time those activities across the day. To restore insulin sensitivity is a super important thing that we can do, not just with diabetics, not just with people who are already diagnosed as diabetic or insulin resistant, but with those people who say, I'm tired all the time. I'm hungry all the time. I crave sugar. I definitely need dessert after a big meal, even though I should be full and I should be satiated. I feel exhausted in the morning, even after a good night's sleep, or I can't get a good night's sleep. These are all signs and symptoms of early stage insulin resistance, what I call pre-insulin resistance. And also the later stages are not pretty. The later stages are these epidemic type diseases that we see rampant in our world, cardiovascular disease, diabetes, stroke, which is part of cardiovascular disease, but actually it's reported as a separate category, probably to make it less so that when you have to look at them separately, it's kind of like when they do a label on a food and they put three different kinds of sugar. So none of them seems to be too high. That's kind of what it is when they report the statistics about diseases. You know, cancer, all of these things can be a result of chronic insulin and glucose dysregulation, of chronic resistance of the cells to insulin. So we're going to talk today about some of my favorite foods and herbs to help support improving sensitivity of the cells. Some of these you've probably heard about or read about in relationship to insulin resistance. And some of them you might be really surprised and say, wow, I didn't know that. That's a great one to incorporate in my own diet or to recommend to my clients. So one of them that is most commonly prescribed and recommended is cinnamon. You know, cinnamon has properties that help to improve the sensitivity of the cells to insulin. And we don't need to recommend tinctures and capsules and all sorts of things on cinnamon. Just start eating it as a food. It's yummy. 
sprinkled on all sorts of dishes. Some of the other foods that cinnamon is so good with are also included in the list of foods that restore sensitivity. I have a really cool reference guide that I put together. It has pictures of all these foods and a little description of how they help to restore insulin sensitivity. It's a beautiful document and it's available for free and we'll have the link to it on the show notes page. So you just sprinkle it, put it in beverages, put it in hot cocoa, cocoa by the way, chocolate as also one of those others as long as it's not full of sugar can be one of the foods that restore insulin sensitivity, as can be carob, put it in tea, uh, put it on various and sundry things. I like to put it on my coconut or cashew yogurt in the morning or make a chia porridge and put cinnamon on it. Really, really good for insulin sensitivity. One of my favorites is avocado. Avocado has the ability to lower glucose levels relatively quickly if you have a rise. I've found for myself, if I've eaten something and I look at my meter and I'm like, whoa, what happened there? I go ahead and have a half an avocado and I eat it slowly. And then in addition, I might walk around the block or I might do some other things like heart math or other stress reduction techniques. But most of the time, I don't have time for that. And I just have the avocado and it does the trick. There's a chemical called manoheptulose that's in avocado that has been identified as the constituent that helps with the, improving the insulin sensitivity. Favorite ways to eat avocado for me are just plain out of the shell. Sprinkle it with a little salt and pepper. Sprinkle it with a little Parma seasoning, which I love, which is a combination of hemp seeds and walnuts and cayenne and other things, or just uh, Italian herbs. Yummy, yummy, yummy on an avocado. Another favorite way for me to eat avocado, which is also good for the gut microbiome, which helps indirectly to restore insulin sensitivity, is with sauerkraut or kimchi fermented vegetables of some sort. So I chop up the avocado, put it in a bowl, put in the sauerkraut or kimchi or fermented vegetables of some sort. And then that's it. I usually don't even have to put any kind of seasonings on it, but I could sprinkle a few hemp seeds for extra omega-3s. Yummy way to eat avocado. My third favorite way to eat avocado is mixing it with chocolate or cacao, raw cacao or carob. And then mixing it up, put a little stevia, we grow stevia fresh in our garden, and making a pudding or a mousse with it. You can put it all in the blender, the food processor. You can put a little blueberries on top. We'll talk about blueberries in a moment. And you can make some amazing deals, amazing foods and treats that you don't even realize are restoring your insulin sensitivity because they have that feeling of being a sweet treat. So highly recommend it. Um, blueberries, right? Blueberries have a reputation of being low glycemic amongst the lowest glycemic of the fruits. Now, you can't always trust it that everybody responds the same way. Some people who are, have been insulin resistant for a long time or in that pre-insulin resistant stage for a long time may have to curtail their intake of blueberries for a while while they get their glucose under control. I was one of them. Blueberries used to raise my blood sugar to 135. So I did a metabolic reset, which we teach people how to do in our insulin resistance for practitioners course and our sweet spot for everybody course. And we teach you how to do this. And guess what? After the 30 day metabolic reset, I can eat blueberries again. Yay. I've been eating them almost every day for a while. And I mix it with coconut yogurt, or I mix it with chia porridge. And they are yummy and they help to restore insulin sensitivity. 
The other group of foods that are amongst my favorite for all of their health benefits are the brassicas. Um, the ones that particularly have been studied to help with insulin sensitivity are broccoli sprouts, and they're really easy to grow on your own, or you can buy them. Some places you can't buy them uh, year round, which I don't understand because they grow indoors, but you can um, buy them or you can make them or you can get broccoli sprout powder and sprinkle it on your foods or add it to smoothies. It doesn't have a big taste, so it's real easy to incorporate. Um, and the other one is Brussels sprouts. I personally only like Brussels sprouts in a few ways. It's kind of odd. Most vegetables I'll eat in every way, shape, and form, but I like them roasted. I like to put them in the oven, a little bit of rosemary and maybe some other seasonings and have roasted Brussels sprouts. They're amongst my favorite that way. And then cabbage. I absolutely love cabbage. There's so many ways you can do it. I grew up in a half Irish family and we did the corned beef and cabbage on St. Patrick's Day. Well, as I grew up and I moved into a healthier diet, I no longer eat corned beef. I don't eat the potatoes either, but that cabbage. And we used to put it in the pot and you just boil up the cabbage and cut it up and add a little bit of vinegar to it, which I don't even like vinegar anymore. So I haven't done that in a while. I don't know why I developed a dislike for vinegar, but, but cabbage is yummy when you steam it. I like to chop it up into a slaw or some of the stores are selling pre-done, pre-cut cabbage into slaw and make a slaw and make a really nice dressing, incorporate others of these uh, foods that restore insulin sensitivity into that dressing. And oh my gosh, it's wonderful. And now you're eating this amazing veggie slaw that's helping to restore insulin sensitivity. Uh, what else? So the fun foods, I like to call them fun foods, carobin chocolate, right? There are treat foods and both of them have been found to have specific properties that help restore sensitivity to the insulin receptors. Chocolate has a few that, you know, I'll say sometimes it's helpful, sometimes it's not. But my guess is that the studies that show that it's not are not really using 100% chocolate. They're using maybe 85% dark or 60% dark, and there's still going to be some sugar in them, except there are a few brands that you can buy like Lily's and a few others. There's one called Good Something, it's pink, and they sell it on Thrive Market, and it's really good, and it's just sweetened with stevia or allulose or a low glycemic sweetener. So there's a lot of ways that you can still get the treats. My favorite way is to mix either carob, if you're sensitive to chocolate, some people get headaches from it, or chocolate powder and mix it with some coconut butter uh, and mix it with some other herbs and seasonings and whatnot and make a little really nice, delicious pudding. Uh, you can, with the coconut, you can put it in the freezer and molds and you can store them in the freezer in a little bag to, um, you know, just eat when you get that hankering for something sweet. So those are the fun foods and they restore sensitivity to insulin receptors. How much better can it get? There's a particular mushroom called maitake, maitake mushroom, and it's not always available fresh in all areas, but you can always get it dried from mountain rose herbs um, and you just soak it in some hot water or you make a soup and just put it in there with other ingredients. I like to put sea vegetables in there. I like to put chopped up bland vegetables, some brassicas, and it makes an amazing soup. And it's insulin restoring, insulin sensitivity restoring. But there's other ways to do it. Some people get it in tinctures. Um, I had to actually stop someone from taking it at bedtime because she kept waking up in the morning and overnight 
she was having really low blood sugars and the maitake was lowering it too much. So it has this great ability to keep the blood sugars steady. Not everybody has that severe reaction, but you can get it as a tincture. You can get it in capsules. You can get it in powder and add it to things, or you can get the whole mushroom. Phenomenal for restoring insulin sensitivity. We also have turmeric. Turmeric is like everybody's favorite herb these days. Uh, the active ingredient is curcumin, and it actually has anti-inflammatory properties, which can help to heal the insulin receptors, and it's been shown in studies to enhance insulin sensitivity. So how do you take it? So my favorite way to use turmeric is the fresh pieces, and they're really dark orange and a little skinnier than ginger. And what I like to do is make a green smoothie and it's got some brassicas, maybe some kale, maybe some arugula, uh, maybe cabbage, not often, uh, broccoli sprouts for sure. And I put an avocado in there and I put the ginger and the turmeric pieces. And so I have this really nice smoothie that helps to restore my insulin sensitivity. The, you can also take turmeric and grate it up and add it to dishes. Uh, you can uh, also get it as, a, as capsules. Some people get it as capsules if they are really like post-surgical or have post-injury and they have a lot of inflammation, it can really help with the inflammation and the pain. So let's talk fenugreek. When you drink fenugreek tea, it has a distinctive odor. So you notice that in your urine usually. But the seeds are really useful. In addition to increasing mother's milk is what they're known for, they have been associated with improved insulin sensitivity and improving blood sugar levels, reducing high blood sugar levels. How do you do it? Most usually people make it as a tea, but you can also take the seeds and you can incorporate them into dishes, probably grinding them just a little bit before you put them into dishes can be really helpful. Another favorite of mine is holy basil. It's an adaptogen. It helps to restore you know, when you're overstressed and you've got people who are just like stressed to the max, having a sip of holy basil tea, a, a glass or cup of holy basil tea, it's also known as Tulsi in the Indian culture. And it's a really nice beverage. And people who get that stressed out in the middle of the afternoon and they reach for a candy bar or they reach for some sort of cup of coffee to keep them going, I usually recommend that they sit down quietly, do some deep breathing and brew a cup of holy basil tea. You can get it in tea bags or you can get it as loose brew. And it's pretty phenomenal and helps with that stress response. So berberine. Berberine is another one of the favorites these days between berberine and turmeric, like everybody seems to know about them. They're so popular that, and they both have effects on the GI tract. When I run like a GI map or a GI effects test, a lot of times when they do sensitivities of the organisms that are out of balance, they are resistant to those common ones like berberine and turmeric and uh, others that they test because they've been taking it on a prophylactic basis because they heard such good things. But berberine is a chemical constituent that's found in various herbs like golden seal, you've heard of that, and Oregon grape root, and also bayberry. So it's part of that. And for glucose intolerance, for when people have diabetes or insulin resistance, it's actually been studied and compared to metformin. And when you do a dose of like 500 milligrams of berberine three times a day, it's equivalent to metformin or exceeds the effect of metformin in lowering blood sugar levels over time. May not be as effective immediately, but after two or three weeks, it definitely is better than that. So how do you take it? Well, you can take the whole herbs. You can take golden seal as a tincture. You can take golden seal as capsules. 
you can make a golden seal tea, although it doesn't taste all that good, or you can make a therapeutic soup that has some golden seal in it. So golden seal, I don't use as much as I would use Oregon grape because it's endangered. It's one of the endangered species. It doesn't grow as much in the wild and, you know, cultivating it is not one of those things that is very prolific. So you got to watch out for golden seal and find out where it's at. If they're harvesting it from the wild, then we may be further making it more endangered. So golden seal is a good one, but Oregon grape is very, very easy to get and very, very easy and grows really well. It usually grows up in, guess where? Oregon in the Northwest. And a lot of people call it a warrior type of, uh, of herb because it helps people. They used to paint their bodies and it just makes people just more powerful. And part of that is, you know, it helps with the immune system. It helps with the gut and it also helps with blood sugar regulation. So you can take Oregon grape, you can take uh, golden seal, you can take them as tinctures, you can take them as cheese. They don't taste that great. I've taken Oregon grape and they're big pieces and thrown them into a pot and then made a nice soup broth along with, you know, my Takis and uh, reishi mushrooms. And it's a really nice immune brew. So another one that's very popular is ginseng. And ginseng is different varieties. You have Asian ginseng, you have American ginseng, and they've both been linked to increased sensitivity. And they also can raise insulin levels if they're low. So just be careful about this one in a type 2 diabetic that has really high insulin uh, levels if, and make sure it doesn't raise it. But for type 1 diabetics where they don't make enough insulin, it can be very, very helpful. And tea is a one way to do it. You can get a Luthero powder and you can also get uh, tinctures. So there's a lot of ways to use it. Aloe vera, we always think about aloe vera for burns, but aloe vera has a positive effect on insulin sensitivity. I think part of it is that anti-inflammatory effect and that soothing effect. So it has a soothing effect on the sugar receptors on the cell and helps really well. Um, the gel can be consumed in small amounts. It can cause diarrhea. It's actually used as a laxative. So you have to be careful about that and make sure that it's organic and grown in a place where it's not loaded with pesticides. But um, you can definitely do it that way. And uh, it's also great for topically, like for burns and things like that. Garlic who doesn't love garlic. I personally love garlic. A lot of people do. A lot of people don't love garlic. So you got to be careful about, you know, who you recommend it to, but um, it definitely improves insulin sensitivity. You can take it, you know, as food and grind up the cloves and put them in all kinds of dishes and dips and all sorts of things. You can also roast it. Um, you can take a whole head of garlic and put it in the oven and let it roast. And it can be phenomenal. It's very soft and you can eat more of it. A lot of the immune system properties, though, are only available when it's raw. So one of the things I've taken a liking to is fermented garlic, the black fermented garlic. And we actually fermented ourselves and we get these beautiful bulbs and they're soft and they're chewy sometimes, but mostly they're soft and you can make a really nice paste out of them. Or I could just add them into my salad. So garlic can be super helpful. Some people are sensitive to it, so we have to be careful. Some people have... Uh, sulfur intolerance. And when they're intolerant to sulfur, they don't process the garlic all that well and it, they don't feel real good with it. So you got to be careful there. One of my favorites of all time is ginger. I love ginger. I love drinking ginger tea. When it gets cold out, I'm drinking lemon ginger tea all the time. I put pieces of ginger in my smoothie. If I'm making some treats, like some chocolate treats, I'll grind up fresh ginger in there. When it comes to the holidays, you can make gingerbread cookies and 
I have great recipes that are grain-free, sugar-free, low glycemic, and support the immune system in a great way. Make a gingerbread man, and you can use little blueberries as as the uh, buttons going down. So there's a lot of great ways to do it. Ginger tea is super helpful, and this is not necessarily insulin related, but I will mention it, that it's such a great anti-inflammatory that when I was doing a lot of hands-on work in my practice and working with people with injuries and back pain and all, I would recommend ginger and have them go and make some ginger juice. So just take the ginger and put it through the juicer or put it in the blender and put water in there and you know grind it all up and strain it so that that was a clean juice without all the, the pieces. Oh my God, people got such great results with this. Like their pain would literally dissipate within an hour. And I know a lot of my patients would come back and say, you know, I figured out that the ginger juice lasts about three hours, two hours, four hours, whatever. And then it's the pain starts to come back. And so I do it again. So it's a very versatile herb. It's very, very delicious as well. And then there's oregano. Oregano is very popular these days for the immune system, but most people don't realize that it also helps with insulin sensitivity. That might be related to the immune system. We don't know for sure, but it's real easy to incorporate, right? You can put fresh or dried oregano into smoothies, soups. You can do it in stir fries. It's an Italian food constituent, so you can do it in like tomato sauce. It, it's used a lot in Mexico, so it can goes well with Mexican food. So oregano is a really nice one to incorporate. And you can do it as the food, like I said, dried or fresh. We have oregano growing in our garden. Or you can do it as an oil, like essential oil of oregano, which I carry with me whenever I travel to protect my immune system. But it also has this impact on insulin sensitivity. I've covered a lot of these herbs. I can't cover them all. I tried to cover as many as I could, but I have a whole book and it's free. The actual link is uh, drigamarie.com slash reverse belly fat, because that's one of the things that people want to do. And it's one of the things that the improving of the insulin sensitivity actually does. So you can get that and, you know, just keep thinking about how you as a practitioner have the ability, have the power to help people to reverse these conditions, to prevent conditions through the power of food and lifestyle and, of course, emotions and thoughts and sleep and all the basic factors. So use it, use it, use it. Get out there. If you're a conventional medical practitioner and this is new to you, learn these skills. Go to ianemethod.com and we'll teach you how to learn from us all the different things that I've put together in over 30 years of practice to help people truly get to the root cause and actually get well instead of covering up their symptoms. So let's be part of the movement to reinvent our healthcare system, to disrupt our healthcare system and turn it into a true healthcare system. And we've got um, a class on insulin resistance where we go through all this and we've got that free book. So check out the show notes page for more information. And until next time, shine on. Thanks for listening to Reinvent Healthcare. We are part of the movement to change healthcare for the better. If you liked this episode, leave a rating and a review. And for more resources to support you in growing a thriving and fulfilling practice, visit our website at inemethod.com.